Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Super excited for this episode as we're officially kicking off the 2022 season. Steven, guys are reporting tomorrow. Rookies are already at camp. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? It's like the best time of the year. It's like Christmas already. It's awesome, man. I'm resting and recharged. I just had a week off last week. We were just talking before the show. I spent a week in LBI. Haven't been there in like 10 years, and I loved it, man. Can't wait to get back next year. But it's the perfect time of year, right? Summer's still going. It's awesome. Everyone feels good. And uh, and veterans reporting tomorrow for what I think is one of the most exciting training camps, probably the, you know, the most anticipated training camp we've had since, you know, you said it in the notes before the show, but probably since 2010, right? I yeah, mean, is there I a mean, bigger one than that? Can you think of one? <laughs> Honestly, probably not because this is like the most hype the fan base has been in quite some time. I mean, like obviously 2015, we felt good, but like, you know, there still was like uncertainty surrounding like what was going on with Gino because he didn't really perform very well his second season, but he was the starter. And obviously they made the trade for Fitz, but they had a lot of talent, but we also had a new coach. So we really just didn't know what to expect. So it was a bit of a surprise season. Um, I'm trying to think a little bit before that, obviously 16, 16, there were expectations, I would say, because mm-hmm. they did win 10 games, but I don't think it was as hype as this because it was like the Fitz contract standoff 17. Obviously we thought they were going to go like one in 15 or whatever it was. 18 was Darnold. So we were excited. I think about that, mm-hmm. I guess since 2019, because they did spend a little bit, but obviously Adam Gase kind of like killed all the positive vibes, but honestly, it's probably the most hype that we've all probably been since 2011, because that was coming off that championship game but 2010 was all the hype because of hard knocks what do you think i agree with you and honestly i think the only one i I don't think it can match uh 2010 because there there were were serious super bowl aspirations we knew we were going to be good it was just a matter of how good and kind of making those adding those final pieces you know ladanian tomlinson's jason taylor's guys like that um antonio cromartie to that team like those were the final puzzle pieces to get you over that hump we're not there yet what I would say is that it really rivals probably last year because last year, even though we none of us expected the Jets to go out and make the playoffs or, or make a Super Bowl run, I think just washing your hands of Adam Gase and having the excitement of a young new staff, uh, new weapons, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, guys like that. Like there was a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around there. I mean, you and I went to the first training camp that was open to uh, to the public and it was electric. I mean, just seeing Elijah Vera Tucker pump up the crowd, seeing solid talk to the crowd after the practice was over. I mean, it was really fun and uh, a lot of engagement there. And I think just kind of ridding ourselves of Adam Gase and having a, you know, a new uh, lifeblood into the franchise was, was really great. So I think since 2010, it probably doesn't match that, but it's uh, it's going to eclipse uh, the excitement that we had last year. Yeah. Because there's actual expectations of this team This is the first time where there's been legitimate expectations. You know, the fan base has a, you know, a positive, you know, rating of the head coach. I know obviously he has a lot to prove, but everybody likes him and they're pulling for him. It's not like somebody that we're like, uh, he wasn't the guy we wanted. We're just hoping for the best kind of thing. But like, we actually like back solid over excited, but yeah, I think you're right. It's the, I think the vibes on Saturday when fans are allowed to see the first practice, which unfortunately neither of us are going to be going to, 
is going to be really high. I'm sure there's going to be some viral videos. I'm sure you're going to see some things and I'm super excited. Steve, it's almost like a year anniversary since you became an internet star and that Elijah Moore touchdown. <laughs> that was a wild ride, man. I remember it was, uh, it was crazy. Just uh, by chance, I caught that video and I remember taking my son on the, you know, four hour trek back to, uh, to Syracuse and my phone just kept blowing up and I couldn't believe it. Getting contacted by like ESPN news desk and NFL network and places like that. So that was, uh, that was a fun ride, man. That was a good time. Oh man, it was, it was great. I mean, that was the first time we ever saw Zach Wilson do anything. So like we were super excited, but uh, I want to transition a little bit to the PUP list. Obviously just because guys are placed on it doesn't necessarily mean anything negative, but obviously you have Becton, you have Fant and Lawson on there. I was surprised to see Lawson. And I, and the reason I say that is it's, he's basically a year removed since the injury and he's been obviously pretty healthy for a while now. I was, I'm a little concerned that he's on the list. I know he could come off of it like in five days or, you know, even the, the day after they report, because maybe he's going to take another physical and he should be good. Are you concerned anything? I mean, Becton obviously is a whole other animal, but I think it's probably a weight issue. I don't think it's actually injury at this point. And Fant obviously had surgery in the offseason, so wasn't surprised by him. But are you concerned about any of these guys? I'm not really. I mean, when you look around the league and you see how many people and how many teams uh, are, you know, which players a lot of teams have on the PUP list. I don't, you know, get overly concerned with it. Um, you know, would it be nice if they weren't? Absolutely. But I'm not going to hit the panic button just yet. Um, you know, like you said, they can come back in five days. Honestly, the one that concerns me the most is still going to be Becton. I hate to admit it, but that's just what it yeah. is. And it could be because exactly like you said, like we know it's a weight thing. You've had a year to do that. And there's no question that the Jets coaches are coaching him through this. They're, they're asking him, listen, just get your weight down, get your weight down, get your weight down. And he's simply not doing it. So that is the most concerning thing to me. But again, let's let this play out and see how it goes. Um, but I'm not overly concerned with anyone that's on that list. I think if we get towards, you know, uh, mid-August, that's when we can start kind of uh, hitting the panic button. How about you? Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that everyone's going to be paying close attention to. I think Fant, not as much. I know Fant has his own situation with the contract, which – I do believe, and I know Joe and Connor talked about this, that they're going to get that contract done probably before the season. It'll be a team-friendly deal. He probably gets guaranteed money for next year, and then they can move off of him. I think Lawson will probably be practicing pretty soon. I'm just hoping for Makai, man. I, You know, we saw the flashes as a rookie, and it was super exciting to see, like, you know, he looked like a cornerstone left tackle. And it's just like we haven't seen him play a meaningful snap in so long. He obviously played, like, two and a half quarters in the opener last year, but, like, it feels like he barely – he didn't even play because, you know – it, that game just feels like so long ago at this point. But I think, like you said, if this lingers into the middle of August, like towards the first preseason game, then I'm going to be concerned because I'm like, okay, when is this guy going to be in shape? September? Like he might miss a game. But at this point, you can't really be, you know, I guess overly concerned because it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be on it for an extended period of time. I would assume that like it's just a precaution in case, you know, they do have to be on it because – Essentially, I think it's the way they can carry extra players. I, I think that's why they do it. Because I never really understood it. And then I was like reading into it. A lot of people were talking about it. But the one thing I'll say is about Beckton with the weight. I, I kind of laughed a little bit because I saw that whole thing in Kyler Murray's contract about studying. And he has to do like four hours or whatever. And I'm like, it kind of is like the same thing as Beckton, except it's not weight. It's like the mental aspect. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that that's like embarrassing. And like. You know, it, it, should, it just goes to show the Jets aren't the only team that deals with these problems, which made me feel yeah. like a little bit better about the Beckton situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the biggest thing with the Beckton situation for me is it's it's if he returns to form and is 80% of the player that he was in 2020 went on the field, 
that is such a it's such a big pendulum swing from what it could be because we all every Jets fan feels really good about four to five spots on the line right now, like the addition of Lake and Tomlinson. You know, Connor McGovern, you feel better now that he's sandwiched between Tomlinson and AVT. You feel good about George Fant on the left side. If we end up having to watch Connor McDermott or Chuma Doga on the right side versus Makai Beckton, I mean, again, we said it last, you know, last show, Morgan Moses isn't walking through this door again. So that's such a big pendulum swing that it really has a chance if Makai Beckton can somewhat return to form to be a really good, formidable offensive line. But if he's not out there, that just lessens the strength of the whole unit. And that makes the whole unit questionable. And that's what we're really because this is going to be a run heavy team. There's no question about it. Right. I mean, you saw it last year. You know, San Francisco's philosophy, you know, Shanahan's philosophy. You know that LaFleur is bringing that over. They got guys like Michael Carter. They draft Brees Hall. You know, they're going to they're going to run the rock and getting Beckton out there and being, you know, somewhat uh a semblance of what he was in 2020 would be a big addition to this old line, not having to trot Connor McDermott out there would be, um, you know, a sight for sore eyes. Yeah. I mean, he did catch a touchdown last year, which was one of the most fun things we saw, you know, late in the season when Zach was starting to play a little bit better, but yeah, I don't want that guy having any business protecting in the franchise quarterback. If he wants to be, you know, an eligible tackle, that could be a receiver. Sure. Once in a while on the goal line, but if he's playing, the jets are going to have some problems. I mean, right. They just don't have depth. The only guy that I feel like is actually legitimate depth that we wouldn't like hate as much is the guy from the Eagles. I think it's like Nate Herbig or whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. Him, I feel a little bit because he has experience and he wasn't like a complete dud. But outside of that, it's it's going to be a little bit troublesome if, you know, we're having to replace some guys on the interior, especially a guy like Dan Feeney, who <laughs> seems to be really beloved. And I kind of feel bad that we all rag on him because he couldn't block in the preseason. But he actually wasn't terrible the one game he filled in at center last year. So let's just hope for the best with the line. Yeah. Let's hope for Becton, Fan, and Lawson to be practicing soon. I mean, it's still early. They're not practicing until Wednesday, so they very well could be activated off. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that they will, but you never know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, you know, as we mentioned at the top, everyone's reporting tomorrow, so the first practice will be Wednesday. What's like something you're looking to hear about during the first week of practice? And like, I'll kind of build off this. Like, do you care about the statistics? Like, you know, Zach went like seven for 10 or whatever. He threw two touchdowns or he had like a four interception day. Like, does it matter to you? Like, what are you, what are you looking to see? And how do you feel about those stats that the beat is probably going to be putting out? It's like PFF grades. I only look at them when they're to my advantage. Right. So that's, that's just what I use the, no, I'm, I mean, you know, I don't really care. No, because I, I know that honestly, like the coaches aren't looking at that stuff. They're looking at things that are totally different. You know, they're trying to install different things. I know that it truly doesn't matter. So I'm not going to get crazy about, you know, uh, training camp stats or seven on seven stats or anything like that. Um, but what I really want to see, to be honest with you, is is finally to see kind of the Jets offense outpace the defense a little bit. Yes. In this in this uh, training camp, because that's something we haven't seen in I can't tell you how long, right? It's always been the defense's leg up. But I, I think that's kind of natural for a lot of teams. But here, um, with the consistency that they do have on offense, uh, as second year in the system for, you know, pretty much obviously for everybody, but particularly for Zach Wilson um, and some of the new additions, getting, you know, Elijah Moore back, getting Corey Davis back, like having all those guys on the same page, throwing Garrett Wilson out there, like seeing the offense outpace the defense in the early stages of camp would make me um, really, really happy just because, it's it's 2022. We're TOJ. We've been clamoring for offense for so long. We just want points. So that's that's something that I think I'd really want to see. 
points. And when, you know, Scott Hansen mentions on mentions us on red zone, he's not making fun of us. He's like, look at the jets, you know, yes. they're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What are you looking to see out of the first week? I want to see positive reviews from the rookies, especially the guys who were taken high. So obviously the first three, the, the three first rounders and Brees. Obviously, Ruckert is someone I'm excited about, but I know he's on the NFI list because he had an injury, I guess, in the offseason he's recovering from. But I really want to hear that, you know, Sauce, Garrett, um, Jermaine, and Brees are making their presence known and that they're going to be legitimate contributors. I'm the least optimistic that Jermaine will make that in, in, um, initial impact, but I do mm. think Garrett's going to have some highlight plays. I'm sure you're going to hear Brees is really fast as a home run hitter. But obviously you want to see sauce. You want to hear him making some pass play pass breakups and stuff like that. And looking like he belongs because of that length and size. But for me, it's just the rookies. I'm super excited. I know Zach is going to be the you know topic of conversation. Like how did he do today? Was he good? Was he bad? I'm sure everyone will be looking at Dennis's stars for the day. And obviously the duds of the day. So, I mean, just the rooks. That's what I'm super excited about because we've never seen them play in a Jets uniform. And that's obviously a big part of this team is youth. So I need mm-hmm. to see some things and hoping that these guys are legitimate contributors in year one. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I think a lot of young talent. Um, and I think they're coming to impress. So it would be good to see that they're uh, picking up the respective uh, playbooks quickly and performing early on. I think that would give the Jets fans even more hope than, uh, oh, than we already have. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so right before we went live, I saw that Jeremy Fowler tweeted that Jesse Bates is not going to be showing up for camp. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this. And I put a poll out there about like a couple of days ago saying to fans like, hey, are you guys, would you guys be okay with the Jets trading a second rounder for Jesse Bates? It was mixed, but obviously about 67% were saying yes. So that's obviously a majority. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, if it's not a second rounder, what's like, what's like the most you would give up for him? Yeah, no, I think, honestly, I responded to your poll and I said that I would. Um, giving up a second rounder, I think, is 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 probably fair to solidify maybe the biggest question mark that's on the defense right now. I mean, it's really a toss-up, I'd say, between that second safety spot and the second linebacker spot. Um, but if you can give a second rounder, and we, you know, we've keep, we've kept saying this about Joe Douglas is, is you know, you got to use these picks at some point. So you got to use this, this ammo that you have to, to make moves and to, you know, start building this roster and solidify this team. Why not now? So if you have a chance to get a guy like Jesse Bates, solidify that other spot next to uh, Jordan Whitehead and for a second rounder. Absolutely. And we know the joke and wheel and deal. So shit, go and get the, you know, go and get some ammo back. If you, you know, trade a couple of guys, trade Denzel Mims, you, you swung a, you know, Chris Hernan for a fourth rounder, get a fourth rounder back for Denzel Mims, something like that. Get a, you know, get a third from Mike White, who knows. Um, but yes, if you're, if you're asking me right now, if I would trade a second rounder for Jesse Bates, knowing the way this defense is constructed and really the two remaining holes on it, I would absolutely pull the trigger on that trade. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a no brainer. He's a proven starter. He was a starter on a Super Bowl team last year. Mm-hmm. He's been good his entire career. Obviously people are like, he doesn't have like the pro bowls. I'm like, pro bowls don't mean anything. Like there's so many guys who get added as replacements. It doesn't mean anything. It's more about the eye test. And he's been one of the best players on the Bengals defense for quite a while. It's, yeah. He's been drafted. I mean, I get it. You know, you, it's not only the second round pick. You have to pay him and you have to assume that he's there's like a handshake agreement that, you know, he's going to be like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to resign with you guys. And I'm not going to test the open market because he can't sign an extension until after the season. But you would think if they do trade for him or, you know, whoever trades for him, they're going to franchise tag him because they're like, we want to control this and we'll, we'll work out that extension. But I think it's a no brainer. Like you said, it, it upgrades the biggest hole other than inside linebacker next to Mosley because, you know, we're not super excited about Quincy Williams as being the full-time starter. I mean, 
he obviously was a pleasant surprise, but the defense stunk. So it's like, how much stock do you put into that? I mean, I'm interested to see what Joyner can do because we barely saw him last year and he's been a solid player when healthy, but health is the issue with him. So mm-hmm. you're going to be thinking about Pinnock or Ashton Davis playing back there. And obviously we don't feel super confident about those guys, but the staff keeps talking up Ashton. They really like him. I know Connor Hughes is saying they think he's going to take a huge jump this year. I think he has the athleticism and we finally saw that interception last year. <laughs> so we got a little bit excited, but yeah. Safety is definitely the one spot besides inside linebacker that I'm super concerned about on the defense. I think everywhere else I'm pretty happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the pass rush is like more projection than anything else. We're assuming that they're going to get more pressure and get some sacks on the quarterback, but they have depth. So I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, Another thing that came out today from the athletic was uh, Mike Sandoz QB tiers. Obviously there's first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Fifth is just Geno Smith, our guy, you know, miss him so much. Um, Zach was obviously in the fourth tier. He, you know, he was ranked 28th out of 35 in the list, which, which to be honest with you, when you're thinking about how he performed last year, I don't think that that's like an unfair, you know, ranking for what he did. What I will say is he was behind all of his classmates, except for Trey Lance and, you know, Trey Lance barely played. So that's kind of telling you something. I personally don't think that, you know, Trevor or Fields was like really that much better than him at any point especially fields. I feel like fields was the same, if not worse, Trevor, I know had more moments. He obviously started the whole season and obviously Mac was the best of the bunch. Even Davis Mills, I thought was better than Zach for the most part. I think he actually was the second best one, but he's got no love because the Texans are the Texans. But are you like, you think it's fair? You think it's unfair with that? I mean, yeah, objectively speaking, I think it's fair. I, I think you could have them grouped in really any order. If they if they had put Zach behind Trey Lance, obviously I'd argue with that. But judging by the season in its entirety, yeah, I think that's objectively fair. You can't really argue one way or another. I'd probably agree with you, though, that I, I if I were making the list, I would probably put Zach ahead of Justin Fields because I don't think Justin Fields impressed. Um, I think if you take the season in totality and you look at what Zach did down the stretch, you know, in combination with before the injury, I think overall Zach looked better. But overall, I mean, I think that's a you know toss of a coin. So I'm not you know overly upset about it or anything like that. I think objectively speaking, that's a fair assessment. And I don't know, you know, if any other order of those QBs kind of came out, I wouldn't be too upset either way. Yeah, I mean, listen, he was was not good last year. I mean, obviously we saw flashes, and there was like the Titans game. The Bucs game were really the two games that come to mind. He obviously had some plays against Carolina, but just as in a, in a vacuum, it wasn't good. And yeah. like any Jets fan who's just like, oh my God, like Zach is the truth. Like you're kind of just betting on projection at that point because he wasn't good. Yeah. He was missing the screens that we were all were getting pissed about. You know, he was trying to do too much off platform, which obviously is fun because you want to see guys get outside the pocket and not be boring and just throw like slants all day. But you know he has the talent, like he has an insane NFL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Arm, which obviously was another thing that people were like, why is his throw power so high? And like, he has an arm. Like you don't necessarily have to be a good NFL quarterback to have a good arm. I mean, there's been plenty yeah. of guys, Marcus Russell, Paxton Lynch, who could just throw 
80 yard passes, but they stink. So yeah. it's like, everyone's like, Oh, Zach Wilson. Why is he like a top 10 guy in throw power? I'm like, he has an arm, like mm-hmm. watch him play and you'll see it pop. I mean, especially yeah. like towards the end of the season when he was actually kind of hitting stride. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, you know, executives, coaches, whoever was contributing to that list think. It matters what he does on the field in year two. And then that obviously shaped the perception of what people think of him. I mean, the quotes about him were actually pretty you know, positive. The ranking wasn't good, but like these people believe in the talent and they're like, it was more circumstantial than anything else. Like he was asked to do a lot. The talent wasn't great. The coaching wasn't always, you know, the best in terms of like solid with the defense. So obviously it's putting him in holes. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's put up or shut up. Like he needs to show he's like a top, to me, he's got to be like a top 20, you know, 15 to 20 quarterback in the league this year. Like mm-hmm. if he's not that, you know, we're going to have a lot of tough questions to have in January. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is, you know, for me too, I, I've, I've learned to pump the brakes a little bit in, in regards to my excitement. I mean, you know, this is coming from a guy that was convinced in the last four games of 28, uh, 2018 season that Sam Donald was the guy and he was me the too. franchise quarterback. And, you know, we saw – you know, a four-game stretch against what? Uh, Buffalo, Houston, Green Bay, and I can't remember the last one um, that year. Where? I think. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm trying to blank too. But either way, the last four games he played lights out, and honestly, like it was. I think it was New England actually. He and that one he may have struggled in, but oh, I can't he was remember. terrible in that. Game. Either way. Either way, it was a four-game stretch where I was convinced that Sam Donald was the guy, and look how that turned out. So I'm not gonna. Um, overestimate how good I think Zach was in that stretch simply because he's my quarterback and that's what I want to see. If you look at it in totality, he was, you know, below average. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment for the entire 2021 season. Um, so let's see what he can build upon. But, I, you know, the way you group all those guys, those those rookies, I think it's fair. Like I said, if I were to if I were to rank them, I'd probably say, you know, Mac one Mills, Lawrence, Zach, Fields and Lance. But, yeah, Lance is like incomplete. I wouldn't even yeah. like give him a grade because he played what like he started like two games and then he had exactly. a couple packages. He doesn't even count. I I I, I yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I think that it's it's hard to judge these guys. They're all other than Mac, we're all in terrible situations. They're all in yeah. teams that stink. Yeah. So it's like Mac exactly. was in a good situation. And I was reading the whole thing in that same piece about him. They're like, what would you think he'd look like if he was in Jacksonville? He probably would have been awful. And I'm like, yeah, yeah he probably would have, and Trevor would have looked really good in New England. So it's just, it's sometimes circumstantial. I mean, obviously there's outliers. There's guys like, you know, Justin Herbert who step in who are really good, but not every rookie quarterback is like that. There's been plenty of guys historically, like Troy Aikman was like on like a one in 15 team with the Cowboys. He was terrible. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. I mean, I think Peyton Manning obviously threw a lot of he interceptions. Went three and 13 through the most interceptions for in a season. Yeah. Well, and then Jameis got the 30. Yeah, true. Yes. But then, um, you know, the next year, Peyton turns it around. He goes 13 and three. He's the number one seed in the AFC. Like, that's just, that's how that, it goes. But, and that's so, what I'm saying is like, yeah. I'm not expecting the Jets to do that, but like, it's very easy to shift the, you know, how your team is perceived very quickly. Yes. I mean, the Bengals were over under with six and a half last year. They made the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Jets are going to be the Bengals this year, but. I just think they're not going to be, you know, that doormat that they've been for quite some time, really dating back, I guess, to 2017, because 2019 was kind of like they, they started out one and seven. So they were a doormat for really the first half of the season. And then they obviously benefited from a soft schedule and got some wins. But like at the end of the day, they still weren't a contender. They just showed that they could win games. And, you know, that's, I guess, what matters in, in the end of the day. But then they were just awful after that and even before that. So I just think that they're going to be a team that people are going to be interested to see how they progress because of a lot, the, all the young talent they have, 
a likable head coach, you know, a general manager who's made some moves. But at the end of the day, if these moves aren't working out, he's the one who's going to probably pay for it because yeah. he's been here for a little bit. He's not getting any, you know, passes from me, despite mm-hmm. how much value he gets for Jamal Adams, which we were happy two years since that trade, which looks good at this point. But yep. it doesn't matter if you don't win games. It's just like True. it's all like I don't care about like picks at this point. Yeah. I want to see wins. I want this team to be around seven wins, if not more, if possible. And if they're below that, I consider it a huge flop. Agreed. And so much of it hinges on sex, on Zach Wilson and how well it It sucks, but like that's, that's that's what happens when you're the quarterback of the New York Jets or the Giants or in a big yeah. market. Like you and need you to show that two overall. Yeah, yeah, number two overall. Like that's you got it. You have to do it. You have to justify your draft positioning. You got mm-hmm. like a fully guaranteed thirty million dollars. The Jets bet on you, man. You got to show it for us. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. All right, Stephen. I'll, I'll ask you the next one. So. Obviously, uh, camp starting Wednesday, veterans report tomorrow. Who do you think will be the surprise star of camp when all is said and done? So I know Joe put out like his, you know, 40 things and observations. So he stole the guy that I was going to say. So I don't want to say it, but it was Barrios. I actually think it's going to be sauce. And I don't think that's going to be a surprise, but I think he's going to be the guy that is everyone's going to be talking about because he's just going to be such a freak of nature because he's such a combination of you know, size and quickness and just ability. I think he's going to be the guy, but I guess if I have to do someone who's under the radar, I'm going to say Solomon Thomas. I feel okay. like people are gonna be like, why do you say that? I think that he is somebody who has the draft pedigree and we've talked about him on the show before. I think that he is going to be surprisingly productive for this team. I'm not saying 10 sacks, but I think he knows the system. He came from, he played in San Francisco I think, you know, he's still like he's first hitting his prime now. And I think he has a lot to prove. So I think he's going to be someone that people are going to be interested in. And I think he'll end up being a nice contributor for this team in a situational pass rush role. What about you? I like it. I'll give you two. I'll give you one for offense and one for defense. So on defense, I'm going to go opposite of you. Because I think sauce, there's a level of expectation there. So it's not going to be a surprise that he's good, but I'm going to say DJ Reed. And I know we kind of talked about him on the last episode, but uh, I really, I like I just like his attitude. I like his aggressiveness. I like the way that he just matches up with everybody and, and doesn't, doesn't think that anybody can beat him and has that kind of that, that dog in him, that fight in him. <laughs> and I think his uh, familiarity with the system um, and his leadership ability and kind of what he's going to be able to show sauce. I just think he's going to come out. Uh, I, he's, he's definitely a starting corner. And I think that's just getting kind of overlooked with the surprise pick of sauce. So I think DJ Reed is going to come out and surprise on the defensive side and, and definitely solidify himself as a starter. I think that's a given, but I just think we're going to hear a lot about how good he is, um, how he's kind of taking sauce under his wing. I just think we're going to see those things on the opposite side of the ball. Um, you know, this is probably uh, music to Joe C's ears, but I think it's Tyler Conklin. And I think we're going to start seeing him to separate himself as tight end one. That's no knock on CJ Uzama. I just think, the combination of all of us clamoring for a legitimate tight end threat and now having really three guys that we can be excited about. But I think Tyler Conklin's the guy that's going to really kind of take that leap and solidify himself as the number one and be making plays left and right, specifically in the red zone. I'm, I'm really excited about what this tight end room can do um, this year, man, especially given what we've had over the last decade plus since Dustin Keller. I mean, literally the only other guy of substance since Dustin Keller was Safarian Jenkins when the team had Josh McCown as the quarterback. And I think that you could beat Safarian Jenkins in a 40-yard dash. No, I'm slow. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) You, like, people say, like, the guys in the NFL and sports where they think are (laughs) slow, like Big Poppy and stuff. I'm like, 
these guys are still fat. They're still athletes. Like, oh, I'm like I'm joking, but Safarian Jenkins was good, but he was slow. He, he ran like he had Matt a good Forte. year. He, was, he ran yes. like Matt Forte. <laughs> yes, it was bad. But I agree with you. Continue. I interrupted. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I just I, I agree with you. I'm super excited about this tight end room, and I do think Conklin's going to be the best tight end on this roster in 2022. I think Uzama's going to be a nice complimentary player. I know he's obviously going to be a little bit behind because I th- he's still recovering from that knee injury that he that happened in the playoffs, and obviously he played on in the Super Bowl. But I do think Conklin's an ascending player. He showed a, he actually was a solid player for the Vikings behind you know Thielen and Jefferson and Dalvin Cook for targets. He actually was pretty productive. I remember like seeing his name in fantasy. I'm like, oh, I'm picking up this guy, picking this guy up, and he was good. Like, yeah. I mean, hopefully Zach Wilson could be as productive as Kirk Cousins at least this year. Like that's. I feel like that's actually like a good bar that you'd want to see is Kirk Cousins with like more pizzazz, I guess. But yeah. like, I think Conklin's going to be fun. I think he's going to be a guy that the fans are going to really like because of the hair and the tattoos, but he's also going to be a reliable guy in the red zone. Like what we hope maybe Tyler Croft could maybe bring, which mm-hmm. we didn't end up seeing. I mean, the tight ends were just awful and I sure, just couldn't man. watch the yeah. whole personnel anymore. It's just, ugh. It was so that was uh, yeah. You think back on it, like we got excited in that that Green Bay preseason game because Tyler Croft kind of went off and he caught that nice touchdown, and and then the the early season struggles and we were all ready to you know uh, to hang the floor uh, because he kept trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. The twelve personnel that that was rough, but gladly, <laughs> thankfully, that ended and uh, and honestly, Lafleur adapted and went into the booth and everything was fine after that. But listen, that's a you know talking about the tight end room. You can still use this if you know for your answer if you want. But that's a perfect segue. So talk about positional groups and which one you're most excited to see as we head into training camp this week. Wide receiver for sure. I mean, there's so much talent there. This is the most talent they've had probably since I guess it was 2016. I know obviously the year was disappointing, but that room had uh Decker, Marshall, Robbie is a rookie who obviously ended up becoming a solid NFL player. Um Quincy. the other guy from Ohio State, I can't remember his name. Was it was it Jalen Marshall? I think Jalen Marshall, yep. Jalen Marshall, Devin Smith. Um, Devin Smith. Oh, good the God. <laughs> And then and Quincy Anunwa. Yeah, Quincy Anunwa. So that this is like the best room they've had since then. And obviously the two guys who are the best, well, three got two of them are older. And obviously Q is pretty young and just injuries really unfortunately derailed his career. But yeah, it's it's got to be the receivers. I mean, we already know Elijah could be a superstar as long as he could stay healthy and obviously consistent quarterback play. Corey, I think, is going to have a bounce back here. I know that's another Joe C uh, narrative that he's trying to push out there. I do think Corey's going to be better when he's not the focal point. Mm-hmm. But Garrett Wilson, like we talked about in the last show, so under the radar. I feel like people are not talking about this guy enough. Like he was for most people's big boards, you know, in the draft community, he was the number one receiver and we got him as the second one. So like he's polished. He could do a lot of the things that Elijah can do, but he's bigger and he plays bigger than he is. I know he's pretty skinny, but over time he's going to bulk up and be, you know, like a legit six one and not look like a slot receiver. But yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, hopefully Mims can maybe show us something obviously a big Barrios guy. I think that he's going to actually be good for this team in, mm-hmm. in, you know, a complimentary situational role. I think they're going to definitely do some more end rounds with him, you know, and doing some things in the red zone. So receivers for me, for sure. I'm sure you probably were thinking the same thing. So I didn't mean, I mean to if, if I could, if I could say just weapons, I would, because we talked yeah. about the tight end room and how we are excited, how we're excited about that. You talk about the receivers and then you couple that with just the running back room and the addition of Brees Hall with Michael Carter, who we already, you know, all fell in love with last year. Um, extremely excited just about what we surrounded Zach with uh, for playmakers. I think, you know, that's huge. I'll go to the 
other side of the ball, actually, though, and and allude to what we talked about the, the previous segment there, but um, and say cornerback. So yeah, h- having the surprise pick in sauce, which kind of, you know, took all of us a little bit by surprise. But then the more you thought about it, you're like, holy shit, like this, you know, this could really work here. So you got sauce and DJ Reed. Now you got a guy in Bryce Hall who we all felt really good about. I mean, as a serviceable number two corner, you felt pretty good about him. And then you couple that with guys like Brandon Eccles and Michael Carter, the second. I just think that corner room has really transformed itself to where you got serviceable backups and decent depth that we haven't had in in years. Um, So I'm really excited to see what the corners can do and how it kind of plays into Sala and Ulbricht's scheme. Um, You know, obviously it's, it's so much is dependent on how well the defensive line plays and get after the quarterback, but now, you know, maybe having that, you know, extra oomph in the, in the secondary and, and being able to cover for that split second or, you know, half second, one second longer, maybe that helps the, you know, the D line be able to get home. So I'm just really excited to see what the corner room uh, can, can kind of show during camp. I think that's a big upgrade over what we had last year, two new starters on top of what I would say were impressive young guys in, in 2021. Right. For sure. I mean, I honestly think that Bryce might get traded. I think a team that needs a, a guy who has starting experience <clears throat> might become calling and give them maybe like a fourth or third round pick, probably fourth round pick. I'm third round yeah. pick is too rich, honestly. But um, I agree with you. I think well, the depth, wait, what do you, I mean, I in terms of talent, like, you know, we're, we're big, obviously big fans of Connor Rogers. I mean, Connor Rogers was one that said he was a second round talent drafted in the fifth because he was uh, you know, because of his injury history. So, and I don't, I'll let you finish your tape, your, what you're going to say before I go into my spiel. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, Joe Douglas got a fourth for Herndon and Herndon showed a fraction of what Bryce, Bryce Hall's put on a uh, tape. So anything is possible, I guess, but yeah, that was all I was going to say. I mean, yeah, he, he was definitely a higher pedigree talent, but he just obviously had that really bad. I think it was, I don't know if it was an ankle. It was like a foot or an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. That was really bad. His last year at Virginia tech, but I agree with you. I think you never know, but I'm hoping they hold on to him because it's it's just always good to have depth. I that's, feel like that's the most depth they have besides receiver and defensive line right now. Yes. So I'm super excited. And it obviously wasn't a strength last year. Now I feel good about it. Yeah, that was the point I was going to make was similar to how I talked about Jameson Crowder and not wanting to trade him last year. That's the same way I feel about Bryce Hall. Just, you know, draft picks are great. I'm not saying the Jets are pushing all their chips to the middle and should be in win now mode, but I think they're in a position where you should see, you know, what you have out of everybody. So keeping that depth and, and talented depth at that, I think is more uh, it's, it's more valuable than whatever draft pick you get in return. Agreed. Agreed. I know one of the, the other things you want to talk about was guys that they could potentially pick up off the scrap heap. I mean, I don't have anybody specifically at this moment in time that I'd want, but like, I feel like if they could get somebody who has experience starting in the inside, maybe a trade for a guy like Deion Jones. I feel like trade is more likely the route for them to get somebody mm-hmm. who can actually contribute versus signing. I mean, typically if a guy is not signed by now, it, there's usually a reason either a, he's got a you know pretty bad injury history at this point, or B he's just a shell of what he, he used to be. AKA a guy like Julio Jones, who I figure would have been lashed on by now, but I'm actually looking at the list to see if there's anybody worth calling out here. I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't know if Landon Collins was signed, but if he wasn't signed, he could be an interesting guy. I mean, he would be, he would be. And that fits a need. I think really the, for me, it's the two that are still kind of hanging out there that, that, that they had free agent visits with, and that's Quan Alexander and Riley Reif. Um, I think just 
because of the way that I view the team, I probably lean more towards Riley Reif just to get some depth for the figure of the unknown with Mackay Becton. And just because I, you know, and I don't think Reif is like the, you know, the greatest uh, starting tackle in the world, but I do think he's a serviceable guy. And I think, you know, bottom line is that he's better than Connor McDermott and, and Chuma Doga. So you'd feel better. It's not Morgan Moses good, but you definitely feel better about bringing him in uh, and having that depth tackle piece uh, for both Fant and Becton. Um, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't feel bad about Quan Alexander bringing him in either, because I really, I'm not a believer in Quincy Williams. I hope that proves me wrong, um, <laughs> but you're basically playing nickel more often than not now in the NFL. So you'd need that running mate for CJ Mosley. So having a guy with familiarity with Sala and Ulbrick system, I think would be, um, you know, would fill a huge need for the, for the Jets and provide additional depth. So I'd be okay with the, with either of those two. I'd be great with both, um, but I think I'd put a priority more on, uh, on getting right for a backup tackle. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They do need depth there as well. I mean, the hope is that the, you know, Beckton and Fan can make it through the season and hopefully are healthy for the first game. Yeah. But yeah, you never have enough depth on the offensive line. We learned that with Morgan Moses last mm-hmm. year. I mean, he he was awesome. I mean, it, yeah. there's a reason why the Ravens gave him, you know, a starting role on their team. And we'll be seeing him week one. And I'm sure he's going to want a little revenge, you know, yeah. against his former team. Um, obviously, you know, we're super excited. Practice is here. It's coming on Wednesday. What's your one bold prediction you think that's going to happen this week, whether it's a player doing something or – you know, a trade or anything. Do you have anything in mind? You think that might happen this week or you think it's probably too early for anything big to happen? Uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're putting me on a spot, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what I, <laughs> I think, honestly, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but I think sauce lives up to expectation and maybe gets like a flashy pick six, like early on in camp. I don't know if it's off of Zach or someone I hope it's not off of Zach, but even if it is like, it's still, if he makes a play, like, especially against like, you know, Corey Davis or Garrett Wilson or someone like that and, and, and makes a pick six and returns it like that'd be, you know, as sad as I would be about the offense, that's to be pretty close. Eh? What do you I think? I agree. Um, I think something is going to be fun. similar like that happens on Saturday when the fans are there, I'm sure something's going to go viral, like similar to what you posted last year, whether it's, I think it'll be, I think it'll be Garrett Wilson, to be honest with you. I think he's going to, have a highlight real catch, you know, playing like, like a contested bully ball that we're super excited to see. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see that on Twitter. So that's my, I'm calling my shot. Garrett Wilson's going to have a highlight real catch All in right. his first week in the NFL. Can't wait. <laughs> um, any closing thoughts as we, you know, head into training camp here? No, man, just, uh, you know, I'm pumped for it to start. It's always good to kind of, you know, you're sad to see uh, summer come to an end, but at least you have football to look forward to. So the month of August is, uh, it's always fun. Um, I mean, Jets Twitter never disappoints. Uh, so getting to see, you know, everything and, and obviously the camp stats is just always fun because it's just, it's just that fun time of year. So um, I'm excited, man. Uh, hopefully, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it down. Uh, they sold out pretty quick. So that, that stinks, but uh, I'll still be following uh, everything on Twitter. But how about you? Yeah. I mean, nothing really big here. I mean, I'm going to go to practice the open one, uh, the second one against the Falcons in August. So nice. if anyone's there, you know, DM me, we'll, we'll link up and, you know, we'll talk some jets. Um, I mean, I'm super excited. I mean, football's the best. It's my favorite mm-hmm. sport to watch. I used to be a bigger basketball guy, but now it's easily football. I, I just love oh, football man. Sunday. Nothing beats it. Honestly, whether you're, you know, watching in the cover of your home, you're watching at a bar with friends, drinking some beers, but yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, Super excited to you know do this show again. It, it feels like it's just crazy that this is our second season doing mm-hmm. it. I know this so far we haven't been doing as many guests. We're trying to kind of do more of just us. Uh, but something that we're definitely going to be doing more of, I think, later in the week because we're changing up our schedule is 
We plan to do more Twitter spaces so we can be more interactive with people who follow Badlands and Charlie the Jets. So, you know, stay tuned for those. We're looking to probably do those maybe on like you know, Thursdays later in the week so we could talk about the game, upcoming game, whereas our show will be more dedicated to recapping the previous week or, you know, something that happens with the team. But uh, we appreciate all the support from everybody. And I know it's been a bit since we talked about it on Twitter, but we are doing a giveaway uh, for free sauce jerseys and a free Garrett Wilson jersey. So if you haven't done so, make sure to f- subscribe to our podcast feed on Apple or Spotify. Also following Stephen and myself on Twitter. And once you've done both of those things, make sure to DM us just a screenshot of everything. And if you're also a Badlands subscriber on Patreon, you also get two entries. I know a bunch of people have already entered. We're going to be tweeting this out when the new episode comes out on the feed, you know, tomorrow. Um, we appreciate everybody. And, you know, we're looking forward to a hopefully successful season. But at the same time, we just want to see score some touchdowns and get excited a little bit. We appreciate all the support. And, you know, we'll catch you guys next week.